Hey team, it's Steady State Podcast. Your rowing fix where the water is always flat, the catches are clean, and you can always hear the coxswain. It's Rachel Friedman and Tara Morgan. This is Steady State Podcast. Sit ready. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Steady State Podcast. We're reframing the popular yet limited narrative about rowing culture by celebrating the expansive array of rowers, coaches, and coxswains in a podcast designed to savor real life experience from launch to cox seat at every level. Thanks to everyone who listened to our last episode with the incomparable coach, Sarah Nevin. Since that episode, we proudly awarded eight Changemaker scholarships for the U.S. Rowing Convention to up-and-coming visionaries in our sport from around the world. You'll hear from them all in an upcoming show. Thanks again to Tacoma Youth Rowing, Seize the Oar Foundation, iCrew, Science of Rowing, and Concept2 for your partnership and support of inclusion in rowing. If you missed it or any of our episodes, listen anytime at steadystatenetwork.com slash podcast. You can also subscribe to Steady State Podcast on your favorite podcast app. And while you're there, we'd love it if you left us a review. Be sure to leave your contact information because everybody who leaves a review is entered to win a limited edition, one-of-a-kind Steady State sticker. Hey, Rachel, what's coming up next on our schedule? Man, we really miss morning practices and we really miss post-practice coffee with teammates. So grab a mug of your favorite beverage and let's compare training notes gripe about how much we miss big boats, wax poetic about sunrise rows, and anything else you want to talk about. Join Tara and I Fridays at 9 Pacific, noon Eastern on Facebook. Tara and I are really interested in backstories, the experiences that make people the rowers, coaches, and coxswains that they are today. As fellow entrepreneurs and rowers, we like to support rowing-related businesses like iCrew, who we interviewed not too long ago, and those small businesses that are trying to find their way and pivoting during COVID. Today, we're talking with Lisa and Matt Wise, the husband and wife team behind Rowers Dream Camps and Coaching based in Michigan. Lisa has more than 30 years of competitive rowing experience, including victories at Head of the Charles, Canadian Henley Championships, and U.S. Rowing Masters Nationals. And she balances her time on the water and coaching with a career as a high school science teacher. And Matt's been coaching for more than 35 years and currently the head coach for women's rowing at Humboldt State University in Arcata, California. As a coach, he's led crews to 14 NCAA championship appearances, three Big Ten champs, and helped develop eight national team rowers. So thanks for coming today. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, this is fantastic. Yeah. So we like to start with how you got hooked. So we'd love to hear your rowing origin stories. So I started in 19, 1986. E-Course Rowing Club came to my high school. Is that what you, you do? <laughs> no, 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 no. I started rowing in 1986. Oh, my oh, gosh. Nice. All right. So, um, so they came to my high school because they were basically going out of business. They they had all kinds of trouble. So they tried to they tried to add a number of high school teams. So I was a wrestler up to that point. I'm like, oh, this would be a good filler sport. Yeah, a lot so, of wrestlers. Row. A lot of wrestlers yeah. row. So I went I went down to the club. They had 30 of us from our high school start, and coaches came the first day, and we did a practice. And the second day we came on, the coaches weren't there. And then the third day they weren't there. And for two weeks, the coaches never showed up. And the, the, the 30 people kind of dwindled down to three of us who just went there to work out. 
And then finally, another program that had already been on the water, coach came off the water one time. He goes, what are you guys doing here? <laughs> <laughs> like, well, here's what happened. And uh, so uh, he goes, well, another week, this high school season is done, and you can just start rolling for us in the club for the summertime. So that's, that's kind of how I got started. Wait, so wait. I guess I didn't know this, and I should know this, but you guys, you jokers, were like just taking a boat out by yourself. No, 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 no. There was oh. a pull-up bar. Oh, okay. There was just stuff indoors that we would just go and play with some weights that we would lift. No, it was all indoors. We were going out. That'd be great. DIY rowing. Just figure it out. You'll be fine. I'm yes. picturing like these little high school kids just paddling around. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Talk about catching crabs. Like, whoo. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, in my first race, I, I raced a week after I started rowing, and I did catch six over-the-head crabs in my first endeavor. Yeah, that was pretty bad. <laughs> over the head. Over the head, in a four. Yeah. Over uh, the head. <laughs> excellent. The more, the better, right? <laughs> yeah, so that, that's my origin story. Why I stayed in rowing, I have no idea, but I did. Because <laughs> you love it. All right, Lisa, what about you? Um, I started because someone handed me a flyer. I was a freshman at Michigan State University and someone on the club team, I was out running with a friend. Mind you, I couldn't run for more than 15 minutes. So, you know, the physics of them running into me at that moment while I looked athletic was pretty impressive. So they handed me a flyer. <laughs> I, uh, I went to this meeting with my friend and I kid you not, on the way home from that meeting, we were both like, I don't know. Cause the guy leading the meeting was really, we know him, his name, his name is Phil. And he was like, this is so hard. And he went on and on about how hard rowing was. And we were like, I don't know. That guy seemed like kind of a jerk. <laughs> like, I don't know if we want to do it. And so we really hemmed and hawed about it. But we finally joined the rowing team. And it didn't take long for me to get hooked. But me and the woman that I was, you know, running with for 15 minutes while she, like, just took off <laughs> running, um, she just took off. And uh, our first couple of practices – I just loved it like immediately. And of course I had friends immediately. So like we joined as a squad kind of like me and then my friend and we immediately had a lot of what's fun about rowing is the people, right? And because there were so many, that year in particular, we still talk about it now and we still gather with some of the people. Including um, Phil. Including Phil. <laughs> we're friends with Phil. He's a nice guy. He just was kind of rough about it like I think I think when they were starting those first meetings sometimes people got the impression maybe that it was like not a serious because it was a club and maybe he was just trying to say like hey this is actually kind of a lot of work so if you want to join be prepared to work yeah, yeah. I mean it's a tough sell rowing is a tough sell you know it's not like it's hard to say we're going to go have a fun time rowing right and Tara and I have talked about this this notion of fun and making sure that we incorporate that word and the notion of fun into coaching and rowing but signing someone up it's it's way harder i think than saying let's go play a, a game of basketball or soccer you know one of my all-time favorite rower quotes is from some heavyweight rower i think in like germany or poland it doesn't have to be fun to be fun that's right that's <laughs> great yeah and rowing is where I first heard the phrases type one fun, type two fun, and then I made up type three fun. Oh. And you know, type one fun is fun in the moment, right? Right. Uh -huh. Fun while it's happening. Type two is fun after the fact when you're done, right? Mm -hmm. 
And type three is like not fun until like three months later. <laughs> when you're looking back and telling the awesome stories about the race or like yeah. when you did back to back head of the Charles races or something, you're like, yeah, you know. And because we were a club, we had to get up before class. So we were we were doing our workouts at 5 a.m., you know. Mm-hmm and buying yeah. all our own stuff and wearing all our own ridiculous clothes. I've tried to explain this to my children before. Like when we rode, I like, you know, back in my day, but when we rode, our gear was like long underwear and sweatpants that were formed into one unit because I used to wear them so often. I would just like put them on and take them off every morning. There was no leggings. There was no wicking. There was no, it was like Rocky. If you've seen the movie Rocky, it was big, thick sweatpants that you just yeah. tried to keep away from the oar while you were rowing in Michigan in the snow. That wicked all the water out of the river in, in your pants. Yeah, we just sloppy. <laughs> <laughs> like you would just yeah. bring it home. I would, because I was yeah. a college kid and I wasn't washing stuff all the time. I would take it off as a full unit, just set it down by my bed, hope it was mildly dry. And the next time I went out, I would just put it all back on. Oh, man. <laughs> Okay. So what, so Matt, did you, you, you wrote in college then? Did you go on after well, that? Yeah. So that's where Lisa and I met. Yeah, we're so, on the same team. So we were, we were, yes. So Cute. I, went to, I went to Michigan Tech and rode with the club team there after high school. Uh, and that's where Lisa and I met. We said she was Michigan, uh, State. Michigan State. Did I say that? You said Tech. Oh, he did go I to went Michigan, to Michigan Tech. Tech, and then I transferred to Michigan yeah. State and, and rode there. Only so. one try there, though, or two tries? two tries. Two tries at Michigan Tech, but then the Fates wanted us to be together, so he transferred to Michigan State. Yes. And it. that's how I started coaching because there was basically no coach. I had two years of high school rowing experience, so Plenty. In my sophomore year, this sophomore year, they <laughs> said, "They said, hey, uh, why don't you start coaching the novices?" Hey, <laughs> hey, does anybody know anything? Like anything at all? It's, it's, yeah. It's the warm body coaching <laughs> recruitment strategy. And I started driving the trailer when I was 19 because the other driver almost ran into the wall with the boats mm. because they didn't know how to drive it either. So Can I anyone just, like, not drive into the wall? <laughs> Can we get one person? <laughs> it's funny how things happen. The bar was very low. Very low. Very low. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So how many years difference were you in school? Three. 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 So the year that I started, I was a freshman. We're about three years apart. I was yeah. I was a novice and he was a senior. And for some reason that year, the novices and the seniors hung out kind of a lot. We did. Like it was just a really fun year. And speaking as someone that stayed there for the next, you know, I was a four-year type person. I, I not only did I like it, I loved it. So I just couldn't get enough of rowing, right? So I stayed and I stayed. But that um, personality-wise was a really fun year. I was just, I don't know. You know how sometimes there are certain groups that are just fun? It was just fun. Yeah. yeah, I can think of, I can think of one specific year. I was, I had been a master's rower for maybe four or five years and I got really tight and chummy with a very select group of people. And it was really, I mean, it was just fun, craziness, every regatta, all sorts of inappropriateness. We'd be at a regatta. This was like before I really understood like what rowing was about, but we also wanted to have fun. So we'd have like a bottle of whiskey with us, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And uh, there's just like, I have this ridiculous picture of me like, ah, like you know, so that was a good year with those folks. There you go. Yeah. yeah, but, yeah. Um, on, on my, uh, I was on a team called Conabare Rowing Club. I think you heard about it in that last episode with, did, yeah. with Sarah Nevin. Yeah. I'm 
I don't live in Seattle anymore, so I miss it terribly. But we had a little group called the Party Suite, and it was four people on this team, all women. And we would always rent at regattas. We would rent a party suite, and we would rent like a two-room suite with like the thing. And we were just, and people would come to our room. We would do facials, and we would have great. <laughs> and we're like you know, jumbo margaritas, <laughs> like. I mean, there's a lot of sitting around and rowing, you know, like oh. the race is this long, the day is this long. If you don't have people that are fun, what are you doing on mm -hmm. like the rest of the day? Yeah. I think those regattas are so much like, I always called the masters regional regattas, uh, summer camp. It's yeah. like going to summer camp, except, you know, everybody's in spandex and, yeah. you know. Because I, I think of the hotels that year. So we went to Dad Vales. Everybody wanted to go to Dad Vales. So drove the trailer down. And they gave me the address of the hotel and I get there and they said, and I don't remember how, I must have called the room and I said, hey, how do I get a key? They said, well, just come up to room, whatever it was. I opened the door and there's like 16 people in this room, just spread out. <laughs> I ended up on the tile of the bathroom that night. <laughs> you have no idea what's Oh no, those were the days. Those were the days. You have a little money with the... That's when you go sleep in the truck, you know, that you drove. Yes, yeah. Yeah. So I did not row in college, but I played ultimate Frisbee and I had that experience. It was just, oh, we're driving from Syracuse to Florida for winter break. Great. Let's shove everyone in one room. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If you get a pillow, you're lucky. Yeah. <laughs> so gross. Yeah. You can, you can sleep in a bathtub and it's not a bad place to be because it's really private. Like nobody's, <laughs> you know, there's, you know, it's got good edges. Yeah, you know, you got you can. It's almost as comfy as a couch. <laughs> almost. <laughs> yes. yes, right there. So, okay. all right. So, 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 so the hook, right, Rachel? Yeah. We want to talk about the hook. Like, yeah. What was it? What? What's the hook? Like, what's what is it about me, rowing? The hook for me was, so as a wrestler, if you don't get ready for uh, competition, you basically get clobbered. I mean, you get hurt, right? Someone's trying to beat you up, basically. Rowing for me was completely different because if you didn't show up, the competition just got in front of you, and I didn't really know how to react to that. So I really liked the challenge. It was so different, A, because I caught six crabs, and I didn't want to do that anymore. <laughs> so I stuck going a little longer. And then B, it was just, just how hard it was. It was just, just the, it was a different kind of hard, and it forced me to be stronger internally because, again, wrestling was easy because if you didn't get ready, you just, you were, you were, you were going to have a problem very quickly, but rowing, you just had to do more internally to get yourself up and motivated. I, so. I, the challenge is so much fun. And the thing about rowing is the challenge never stops. So I've been rowing for 30 years. There's still stuff I'm working on. I love the, I, I love the feeling of knowing that I just did my absolute best. There wasn't another thing. I couldn't have taken another stroke peel me off the ground. It's over. Like I'm done. That was the best I could have done. And rowing offers you those challenges as many times as you want those challenges. And I really, really like that. And, but then the next week you can always do something different and better. Yeah. Right. So it, it, you did the best that you could that weekend, yeah. but the next day you, you're going to, you're going to improve and do something else. And then mother nature just says, no, you yes. got to do it this way. You know? Mm -hmm. Yes. And of course the friendships. I mean, I, you know, right away I connected with the people on the team and you connected with a bunch of people that like a challenge, you know, that, and, and that like being outside and like the water and like being together. Like there were so many things I loved about it. So actually, yeah, I wanted to ask you about, um, 
um, Tara, before we start talking too much about like transitioning to masters, Lisa, you're talking about, you know, getting into it and having this great group of friends and the challenge behind it. But also the fact of the matter is, you know, you're in school, you're studying uh, biology, whatever, chemistry. Biology and chemistry, yeah, yeah, essentially a pre-med major. I used to get mocked all the time by my friends. Is Lisa in class again? Where's Lisa? She's still in class. She has a lab because, you know, yeah, so when you're a science teacher, you get those bonus classes that are three hours long per credit. So what was that, that challenge like, balancing the coursework with the training for rowing? You know, it never felt like, it never felt like balancing to me. It always felt like just what I did every day. And I look back on it right now and I think about what I used to do. I, I mean, I'm going to sound like the grossest person because first I told you about the clothes on the, on the floor. (laughs) (laughs) But like, I just would, I would row in the morning and I had usually some early class. I would row in the morning. I would go straight to class. I would study, study, study. I would row in the afternoon. I would eat and a lot of times I just fall asleep. My rule though, was that you can't go more than three workouts without a shower. <laughs> That's a pretty good rule, I lucky, think. Lucky for Matt, lucky guy <laughs> there. <laughs> but I, I guess it, I just loved it so much and that was just what I did. I never even thought of doing anything else. I never even considered that there was some other way to do things. Yeah, and some college rowers that I've talked to talk about how rowing help them prioritize. Probably. It wasn't so much that it was a challenge. Oh my God, I have so much to do. It was, I'm getting up in the morning, I'm working out, and that sets me up for the rest of the day. Right, and I'm not going to wait to write this paper because I literally have an hour to write it. So you know what? I'm just going to go ahead and write it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and everybody knows that the slowest person, there's one, like you're only as slow as the slowest person in your boat, right? So you want everybody to be built up. You want everybody to feel encouraged and taken care of. But I've always, I've heard a lot of stories about collegiate rowers being so burnt out and so destroyed and broken by the time they're done with college that they never want to touch an oar again or touch an erg, especially. I've met a lot of people who really went the other way because they got, you know, just not great coaching or they just got beat up or, or had a bad experience. It doesn't sound like you two had that experience. Like, it sounds like it was pretty joyful. Yeah. Yeah. We yeah. And I look and go, the amount of erging maybe that we did is probably less, uh, certainly less than they're doing now because it wasn't as available. We just couldn't. We had five ergs. We had five ergs for a team of, you know, 60 people. You you, you just don't, you're not going to spend that many hours on an erg. So, yeah. So I don't know if that made a difference or not. I'm not sure. It's funny. I've actually thought about that. And one of my sort of side goals for the, for the Rover's Dream stuff we started working on is like, can we get some of these folks that, didn't keep rowing to row. Cause I thought, you know, in 1994, when I graduated from MSU and was rowing with a friend of mine, we were rowing in a double. And I thought, you know, 10 years from now, we're gonna be rowing in eights, like multiple eights. This river's gonna be full of women rowing that used to row. And it's like, it's still me and her out there in the double. Like <laughs> there's a few other people, but it hasn't yeah. You know, we haven't captured all of those women that are rowing and we have not gotten them all to be masters the way that men do. Because when I go to races right now and I race, even even big races like Head of the Charles, the men will have like 60 guys in every category and the women will have, you know, half. Yeah, it's interesting that you mentioned that because um, actually uh, I was talking to someone else about this recently and that according to U.S. rowing, the demographic uh, with the smallest numbers is 
25 to 30 year olds. So you get out of school, you're burnt out, you start kind of, you start your life and then you don't really have time. And then what I've seen a lot, maybe it depends on, you know, location or whatever, but, or availability. But what I've seen is basically like that 35, 45 year old age group, women start coming back to it because kids are out of the house uh, they have some time um, and they want to get back into it. And then definitely what I've noticed is uh, at master's regattas, like 45 to 60 year old women seem to be dominant um, yeah. the regattas that I've been to. So I, it's interesting to hear what you're saying, um, uh, what you're seeing uh, kind of in the middle of the country. Yeah. I was wondering if it's regional too. I don't know. You know, yeah. we've seen that out in the Pacific Northwest. I'm out in the Seattle area and we have, you know, within, on one lake, actually, we have 25 rowing clubs within like, well, within like five miles of one lake, yeah. we have 25 clubs. And what we've seen is affectionately called, you know, the Rolodex crews, master's clubs where uh, some people are from the national team and we're Olympians and they're joining the Casitas rowing club in, you know, California, where you've got your empty nester mixed with your Olympian, mixed with your former collegiate, mixed with somebody who just graduated from Learn to Row. Those folks who were on the national team and were high level collegiate athletes, they're starting to bring each other into the sport. It's not that they're just finding rowing again. They're like, hey, you, you just moved to Seattle, you know, you come, come row again and it's with your buddies. So then they create these monstrously fast teams that, you know, you see at regattas like the, the San Diego Crew Classic where it's essentially two races. There's yeah. like Boulder Reservoir Club <laughs> and, you know, Casitas. And then way out there is, you know, Chinook and, and yeah. College Club. And well, Marin probably falls into that category as well. But yeah. we always used to joke that when we were doing our eight minute tests, we would, the coach would yell, what's Marin doing right now? Well, he's like chewing glass, doing back-to-back 2K. <laughs> yeah, here it's um, Pot- uh, Potomac Boat Club um, and they've had an up and down women's program, but they have in the last few years tried to bring that women's like big boat program back. And like um, Tara was just saying, it's a couple of former national team rowers who want to bring back other national team rowers. And so that's a whole challenge in and of itself for their program. But then, you know, we're like upriver to two miles and we're like, we have to row against these people. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. crazy. So, but anyway. So, so yeah. Matt, are you, are you rowing? Do you row? Uh, not very much. I have a single that I take out every now and again. And, and my, I've got some weird injuries that I just, I can only do it every now and again. So I do it because I, I try to remember what it feels like. I try to, so it helps me coach more than I do it and I do it for a workout every now and again. But most of most of it is just because I start to coach things. I'm like, what does that feel like? How do I, how do I describe that better? What is that supposed to, what is that supposed what, you know, what language can I use when I'm coaching? Uh, and I think if you do it, if you're able to, to do it every now and again, you can at least get some sense. It just helps, helps me basically be a better coach more than I'm using it to row. If that makes sense. Yeah. I've had that experience with uh, para rowing. Cause I'm a, I have a lot of para rowers. And I've rode head races, arms and shoulders only. And just been like, okay, now I see, you know, I mean, I have leg press, but you know, which they don't, but it's, it's good to know what it's like and feel send again, you know? Yeah. 
All right. So this, I've got a question actually. Um, so you guys are good friends. It's, you know, Lisa's first year rowing. Matt's just about done with school. Matt's coaching. When did you guys start dating? And was that scandalous? <laughs> <laughs> yes, a little bit. When did we start dating? I would call it scandalous. I so, mean, so at the time, remember that it was the club team, right? So there were boys, there were girls, there was no everyone real was coach. Coaching everyone. Yeah. Like, so I, I mean, I guess it was a little funny because basically what happened was after my novice year, my sophomore year, Matt was a student teacher and he was like student teaching and coaching and he wasn't rowing. So he was technically a coach. And so we did, when we started dating, I was a rower and he was a coach, although nobody cared. No. Like it, it wasn't that big of a deal. In fact, it was funny. I remember having a conversation with a friend of mine and I have a really vivid memory of it because we're walking down um, a part of campus that you would know if I was, if you were a Michigan State person, but we're walking along and I said, you know, I really, you know, I'm really excited because Matt and I started dating this weekend. And she was like, this weekend? I thought you guys were dating for the last two months. <laughs> no, we were just friends. What are you talking about? You guys had some mojo. You had some mojo. Yeah. So there, it wasn't a surprise. <laughs> No one was surprised. Yeah. In fact, I think people wanted it to happen. Like they were kind of pushing it. You know how you do that to your friends? You're like, oh, they, these two need to get together. This oh. needs to happen. <laughs> so our, first, our first actual date was um, I was babysitting this kid. I was a swim instructor in the summers and I was babysitting this kid like for a weekend. And um, I had to take him to the movies. And after practice one day, I was like, hey, does anybody want to go with me to see 101 Dalmatians? And like everyone stood backwards while Matt was like, I'll go with you. <laughs> it was like, it's exactly the way I'm describing it. It was like people took a step back and Matt was like, oh, I'd love to go. I'm like, I'm going, uh oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, now I got to go. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's we did. That was our first sort of unofficial date was yeah. to see 101 Dalmatians. And I was super impressed because he bought my pop for like $2. <laughs> <laughs> so I felt really. And then our second unofficial date was actually timing a head race. Yes. We were all yeah. cold, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Snuggle. So, so it was, I guess it's a little bit, if you had been there at the moment, it wasn't, um, it wasn't anything that would have made the papers, but I yeah. suppose looking back on it, yes. He, and he did end up coaching me. It, it helped that for the most part, um, the seats weren't like, the way the team was set up, it wasn't like there was ever a question about where people should sit or who should be in what boat. It was really obvious that year. So I don't remember there being any drama. There wasn't. That's good. I don't know. You'd have because to- I Just because of the way that, like I said, we were all friends before. This wasn't like it was a coach athlete well, you weren't getting paid for a I wasn't getting paid. <laughs> <laughs> this I mean, there, totally... there was no contract. I mean, there was just. You know, it's yeah, okay. We, it's okay. You're, you're going to coach this. It was just, that was, that's kind of, it was a very fluid, I, I, as far as the coaching goes, it's like, yeah, it was just, who needs to be coached? And that's just what we did. So right. Now, do, have you two ever had the opportunity to be in a boat together, rowing? Oh, yeah. We're, we are. Different. Go ahead. You can say it. I mean. <laughs> Not gonna brag. <laughs> I don't want to brag, but we um, are undefeated as the mixed doubles champion at Grand Rapids Summer Regatta. Yes, yeah. So that's how many good. how many years? Yeah, it was like six running, I think. So I, 
It hasn't been. We haven't done it recently. It's been a while since we've done it. I wouldn't do a lot of research on that. (laughs) (laughs) I will say we're undefeated, though. Like, anytime we've gone there, we've we've won. And one time we were behind for a little while, but we ran into a buoy. Do you remember that? Okay, yeah, I remember that. So we were behind at the beginning of the race, and we really ran. We didn't just run into a buoy. It was one of those big orange buoys, you know, big giant ones. We got destroyed by a buoy. (laughs) And somehow it just, like, knocked us into gear, and we just cruise and that was a 2000 meter race no was a thousand. those are all thousand. No, i think it was a 7000 meter race <laughs> <laughs> it was the longest race we've ever rode yeah. <laughs> okay, it was only a thousand so that means we hit like the 500 meter buoy and it was you know a little disturbing and then we were like rrr, 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 and we got we got ourselves the gold yeah. medal okay so the the it's helpful, it's helpful the, for me because basically i just had to be mediocre because lisa's fast enough that i was just like just get the oars wet and steer straight and then don't hit a buoy. <laughs> I look like... But, but I did anyway. But <laughs> I'm, I look sort of small and like smiley because that's how I am. But I'm a little bit of an animal once I get behind an oar. Like it's, it's unexpected for some, I believe. Yeah, probably. Yes. How tall so, are you, Lisa? I'm about 5'8". Yeah. And Matt, how tall are you? I'm 5'8". We're like even yeah. Steven if we yeah. still oh. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah. 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 So I got to ask then, because I like to ask rowing couples, uh, a double or a pair, and who's sitting where? Oh, double. Double. Yeah. Uh, I think it came down to... Stroke. Me stroke? You stroked. Yeah, I don't like have to think about, about anything. I like to just yeah. stand up there as fast as I can yeah. in the front. Matt can steer. Yeah. <laughs> Okay. Although I'm not totally sure. Like I'm not set up. I on think it. we've done it. We've done it both ways. But yeah, typically when we race, I think yeah. strokes it. Not a big deal. Steady State is made possible by support from our Patreon community. Thanks especially to Jen, Grace, and Patricia. Go team. When you join the Steady State Patreon community as a subscriber, you're supporting a new narrative in rowing, and a couple of your fellow rower entrepreneurs make it happen. Patrons get bonus content, swag, and early access, so join today at SteadyStateNetwork.com, on Instagram and Facebook at SteadyStateNetwork, and on Twitter at SteadyStateRow. And we're back with Lisa and Matt Wise from Rower's Dream. All right. So coming out of school. So, well, Lisa's still in school. Matt, you graduate, but then you decide to go back and you get a master's in physical education and exercise science. Is that right? Yes. Yes, With a biomechanics special. Okay. And did you make that decision with the idea in mind of becoming a collegiate coach? I didn't know. I mean, I wanted to coach and there was a, there, that, that's when they started actually, well, I, although I still didn't get paid the first year back, they, they were going to hire coaches. Um, and I signed a contract, which they never paid me for. But um, this is the club team. It was team a bunch of too. children, though. Like, <laughs> yeah. daughter, I mean, by children, I mean this is a bunch of college kids running a club that were like, "Sure, we'll pay you to coach." You know, they, you know, we didn't know what we so were. So I doing. came back. I knew I didn't want to be a high school teacher. I did it for a year. And I'm like, I, I could probably do this, but I wasn't. It's just not something I envisioned myself doing as a career. So I went back with the idea of, well, maybe I'll coach, or maybe I'll, maybe I'll like this biomechanics bit. That's kind of where it started and then it's, that's when I start really started coaching full-time and not just kind of as an as needed basis yeah so and that was at at MSU you started that was at as MSU an, as an and assistant and he coach. was actually the one that put the proposal in to make it be a varsity sport 
So yeah, at the time, there was a lot of Title IX um, teams sort of starting up. I don't know if that's the right term for it. Because, because of Title IX, a lot of people were adding women's rowing. And Matt met with a woman named, that was Kathy Lindahl. Kathy Lindahl. She met, he met with Kathy Lindahl and she said, hey, put a proposal and we'll see. And sure enough, um, they made the women's team varsity at the time. That's excellent. So and then do you I have to be on the varsity squad? I graduated. <laughs> I was I was teaching at the time. And then they hired a woman named BB Bryans, who is now the Wisconsin coach. They hired BB to be the head coach when they made it varsity because Matt was like basically a kid at the time. Even though he had a great idea, he didn't really have enough experience mm -hmm. to run a varsity program. Right. And so BB then hired Matt because Kathy Lindahl was like, You gotta hire this guy. He's really great. I don't think he's quite ready to run a program, but hire him. So you know, for some reason, BB listened. She liked you, she I guess. Yeah, she's been. She and she was a credible mentor. Seven years, she, she, I was with her as an assistant yeah. coach, and she taught me basically everything. I mean, I knew how to organize. I was really good at organizing from the club, but I didn't know a darn thing about rowing at that point. He taught um, himself completely. Like he didn't have high school coaches. He didn't have anything. So she was the one that you know taught him how to coach. Yeah, it's great to have that mentor. I talk a lot uh, in, uh, and both Rachel and I have had great mentors and and great coaches to aspire to be like and you know Sarah Nevid was one for me and and her uh, racing partner Eleanor was my coach for 10 years and it just it's so remarkable when you have someone to teach you how to be a coach rather than someone who just you try to copy their drills or you just try and copy what they're doing but they actually teach you the team part of it the how to talk to people part of it how to be a two-way conversation part of it how to do team building I mean it's really uh, incredible. Lisa, when did you get it back into master throwing? When did you get into master throwing? I just mm. never stopped rowing. Oh, perfect. <laughs> so, and I, and I've really done some reflecting recently about that because I, I do kind of want more people to, to stay in rowing. And I'm wondering like, why did, why did I never stop? And some of it is because I, you know, I married Matt who was like, oh, you need a single? Let's buy one. Matt actually, That's a funny story. <laughs> Matt actually went um, to get a loan at a local bank to help me buy a single, and they laughed at him because the only collateral he had was a what an escort was a, was a Ford Escort that was worth like eight hundred bucks. <laughs> so he he bought me a racing single when I was you know a student teacher using I don't know why they even gave you the loan. I think they my parents did my parents co-sign. No, they ended up giving the loan for some reason. The, the guy, guy felt was like, bad. Yeah. After he laughed at me, maybe he felt bad for laughing at me. I'm not sure. <laughs> yeah. So you know, I had you know Matt was there to do that and I was still in town and at the time he was coaching the club and then he you know switched to coaching the varsity at some point and all that time I had access like I had access to a single I had access to help and then I had somebody really supporting me all through when we had kids to say I know you need your rowing so you know yeah wow. and you've stayed healthy obviously all these years and you've had big wins I mean you won at the Charles what what category did you win at the Charles masters no, I mean, uh, what boat class? Oh, single. Oh, single. Always. What? Just, just throwing the Charles in a single. <laughs> Whatever. Well, I'm a little bit of an animal, okay? Like, I'm a little bit extra competitive. It's to a fault, to be honest. A little... strength, in a, strength in a fault. Who, who's your big rival? Uh, in the single? Yeah. Oh, gosh. You know, I wish, it's been a little, a few years now. I've, I won the head of the Charles, like, I did it for 10 years. I won three times. And then the people that won instead of me went up and down. You know what I mean? Like it wasn't yes. the same person all the time. 
I was just wondering, like, is there someone locally, you know, when you go out and you race, like, you know, that you're going up against somebody from. Uh, it's actually a, a few masters men that are around here that I row mm -hmm. with. And then a friend of mine, Diane DeLuca, who um, has rode with me for years and years. So Diane and I go out in singles. And then there were these two guys that we always rode with for a very long time. And they really pushed me. So, and then Matt writes these great training plans. That's part of why I was like, you got to give these training plans to other people. Cause every time I follow them, I I'm fast. Yeah. So listen, we, um, we had posted to Facebook, uh, that we're going to be talking with you today and wanted to know if anyone had any questions and more than one person has asked us to have you tell us about finding a dead body. Finding a dead body. <laughs> Is that the, the, when you guys found the head? Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. So it must be, this must be alumni because so BB and I were both at the head of the Ohio and we get a phone call from one of our assistants that says they found a body in the river this morning. So here, here's the story. So they were rowing and typically, you know, you're on a, the megaphone when you're, when you're coaching. So the assistant coach at the time saw the body. Luckily, there was, our, uh, there was a master's rower out there that was kind of waiting for someone with a phone to call it in. So it wasn't that big of a story. So I'm not quite sure if that's what it was. I assume that's what that's it was. That's the only body. That's the only body that's ever, that another, we've ever It's not like there. Lansing yeah. is that rough. But that was a funny phone call to get. No, we've, so, we've had to deal with that on the Anacostia River as well. Um, admittedly, I haven't been down there quite as much in the last couple of years just because I've been doing some other things. But the last thing I remember hearing about actually saw was a car had gone off into the river mm. and um yeah we had a coach do a rescue of someone who drove their car into the lake i had one of the, one of my coaches rescued someone that jumped off a bridge and, went, mm. and she decided she she needed help when it started yeah she went and got her she did have a car that kind of came that Kareen like i there's trees all over the side of this hill of the river and somehow the tree the car got all the way through the trees and into the water no. They were out. They got out. They, they didn't get all the way submerged. So they, yeah. they were able to get out without a whole lot of help. So I just looked up your, your time, Lisa, one of your times. And 2104 is one of your times that you did the Charles in, which is, girl, you got that. But I do actually know two of your rivals, Ellen Kennelly. Oh. Who is Charlie Hamlin's wife. And he's uh -huh. the president of the National Rowing Foundation. She's a boost, uh -huh. right? And Lisa Stone, oh. Debbie's mom, is also on that list. And I got the opportunity to meet Lisa at the convention last year. And I got to talk to her. And let me just tell you, if you want a really lovely, warm feeling in your heart, ask Lisa Stone about suspension. Okay. It just, it was like, <laughs> I could talk to her about suspension. <laughs> like such a rowing nerd moment. That is good. Nice. Uh, we actually had um, another uh, suggestion that we ask you about the time you almost flipped a boat trailer. What can you tell us about that? Oh. oh. That's wow. from Kelly, yeah? No, I don't know. No, because I never flipped one in Michigan State. Oh. It was, this was year, so my first year, second year, first year of rowing, I think this is the story. We were driving along to Henley. The Canadian Henley. So we're, so we're in the middle of, of Ontario and, and I'm, we're following the trail in this little car. My, my doubles partner wake, like nudges me awake. He's like, hey, something's going on with the trailer. And you start to see the trailer, trailer go like this. And then it totally breaks away from the truck. And 
you could see it shimmying and then hits the guardrail and you, it starts to wobble like this. Well, the, the hitch, we rented a truck to pull the trailer. Yeah. And the whole welds on the hitch fell off. So, yeah. So now we got to try to figure out, we're in the middle of Ontario. This is late at night. We were going there trying to figure out how to deal with this trailer and the truck and how do you get this thing to the, to the, to, I don't remember all of the story other than we had to wait in the drive through we were hungry, so we stood in a drive-thru waiting for food. And yeah, my it was a very you, strange story. Yeah, but for young listeners, there were no cell phones. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, I was 18. Yeah, I, yeah, it was, it was. Yeah, there were no cell phones. So trying to deal with that was. Uh, I remember so, walking and doing. I can't remember how we took care of the trailer, but at some point. So, we so the trailer goes squiggling off behind you. Did it hit anything? Did you lose any boats? It, well, it was in front of me, so I was the trail. We were the trail oh. car. Okay, okay. And oh, that's no, fun. It hit, luckily the brakes worked on it, right? So the breakaway when the actual brakes worked, but it hit the guardrail. What, what ended up happening is whoever was driving the truck got so mad that, that it happened, they threw it in reverse and hit another pile and just tore the whole fender off the side of the truck. <laughs> so probably nothing was wrong with it other than the weld of the, of the hitch, but there was after, after the anger outburst, yeah. <laughs> This actually gets me wondering because we, uh, I unfortunately, my club once uh, a few years ago lost a boat off a trailer on the highway. Like somebody didn't yeah, tie true. it down right, the strap was old, something, and a boat just like went flying off. Have oh, any yeah. of you had that happen? Uh, almost, but never, never like that. I, I looked out my window and saw a, so there's there three straps on an eight, right? Or three, yeah. three places you tie it down. It was hold, held by the rear one and the other two, the, the thing was hovering in the air off the trailer. Yes. Oh, yeah. um, and Hello. luckily, and someone, some guy came up to me and he points up and I look up out of my, and you see this bow hanging over, you know, yeah, yeah. that was very scary. But luckily it Dangerous. was lost. Yeah. He's really good at tying stuff down. I mean, I think After it's that just, point, especially, that's a lot of tying down. Really it's sure an art form. It is. Yeah, I like it, it. Is. when I tie down a boat, I like to make it tight enough so that it can pluck it like makes a little note. There's a note if you like mm. tink it a couple times. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> I, yeah. Yeah, I've taught many people how to do it. And the key that someone told me was don't use body weight. Don't you, know, oh, yeah, like, you can overdo it. You can overdo it. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. If you get this, the noise though, if you can pluck it, it's it's tight. Yeah, if you're yanking and you start hearing creaking from the hall, that's, yeah, bad. that's bad. Also yeah. bad. Yes, yes. Let's talk about Rower's Dream. So, how did that come to be, and what is the Rower's Dream? Well, I, I, I guess that the business started. I was I was in between coaching jobs, and I was wanted to see if, whether or not I wanted to keep coaching. And I was I was called by uh, um, uh, to do some camps up north in Michigan, and part of that was to do some summer camps. But at the same time, I was like. There's a lot of, especially master's programs, a lot of master's programs that don't have coaching. They don't have an ability. So either they have to go to a camp, they go to Craftsbury, or they, they try to find a camp to go to. Um, but they don't really have access to coaches. I was like, why don't I, if I want to keep coaching, maybe that's a, that's a model I could use. I could be a traveling coach. So they could pay me to come in and run the camp. So they would spend a couple hundred dollars a piece rather than, you know, twelve or $1,400 to, go to to go to a camp. Um, and so that's kind of how things got started that way. It was just a way for me to kind of stay in connection with coaching. I wasn't sure if I wanted to keep coaching on the collegiate level or not. Uh, and it was just, but I knew I wanted to keep coaching and keep contact with rowing. So that's kind of how it, everything started. Um, and from there, it, it, 
just kind of blossomed into what's the needs, the current needs. Part of it is most of the camps got canceled because of COVID. Uh, but then we found uh, people asked, well, can you have a training plan? Do you have a way to write training plans? Can you help us? Can we do things online? So I'm doing a little bit of Zoom coaching as well um, right now. But that's kind of how everything started. Then Lisa started to look at, started to get in the ergs and she started to do these kind of live, what do you call Facebook live yeah. things on Monday. So it's just a way for us to, we love rowing. It's a way for us to kind of share what we love, basically. That's kind of yeah. how, basically how it started. Well, so I, I, just, I guess I, I was, um, last summer when we, not last summer, but whenever, before COVID, which at some point we met with a bunch of rowers, masters rowers, probably last fall, mm -hmm. fall 2019, we were just starting to think about Rower's Dream. Um, and we went up to Lake Leelanau to check it out. Um, we were talking with all these masters rowers. And as we were talking, people were like, well, how long have you been rowing? You know, and they were talking, I've been rowing for four years. How long have you been rowing? And I was like, well, 30, you know, and I, I guess I was thinking as I was talking to them, like, you know, maybe I could teach people a couple things. I've sort of kept rowing to myself. Um, I've never really coached very much because I've always felt like this is mine, actually. So I'm just going to keep it for me. Um, and I, I decided I could share that a little bit. And I, I maybe have a few things that I could teach people, even though I haven't done it a lot yet. And I found that um, I guess I do know a few things about rowing after 30 years that I can share. <laughs> Can, yeah, you, can you teach us how to be an animal? <laughs> <laughs> how, to, how to be dainty, but an animal? How to appear totally benign, but actually be a beast? <laughs> There's a weird little switch in my head that goes off when someone tries to go faster than me. It just goes like, click. Yeah. I don't know, I don't know how to describe it. It's, it's funny, though, isn't it? It's good. Matt knows. I appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs> Matt knows about this. He knows me yeah. well. Yes. And the other thing I needed, I found I've fallen out of in during the COVID times, I've fallen out of my training patterns. So I kind of stopped getting up early to do my workouts because I had all day. You know, things were schedules were weird and and I felt like I wasn't in a very good pattern. So I thought, you know, if I had to meet people on a Facebook Live, I wouldn't miss it. And I, you know, I'll get there. And it's been fun. It's been fun to get up and um, and just row with whoever shows up, actually. Yeah, so Lisa, I have to admit, I'm a little guilty because I showed up to one. Uh, I was really glad to be there. I thought it was a lot of fun. It was fun to see you rowing and hear you know, your perspective on things. That motivation is great, right, to have someone else there in the morning. And then I was dealing with like a little niggling pain yeah. in my foot and I wasn't erging for a few weeks and um, I'm back on the erg, but man, that 5.30 a.m., whew, that is, that's rough. What's so, 6.30? Um, it's 6.30. Where are you at? Oh. You're East Coast, Rachel. 6.30. I guess I don't have an excuse. I was thinking five. I could have sworn I met with you. That, anyway, all right. Feel like, I do feel like I'm kind of an anomaly sometimes, and I have a lot of unpopular opinions. And one unpopular opinion I have is that Monday morning is a really good time to get a workout in. And I'm not sure a lot of people share that with me, mm. especially since if they really want to do that workout, the mm. Facebook Live is just going to save it, and they actually could do it later. Mm. Yeah. That's I was a Monday, Wednesday, Friday, 5.30 in the morning for 10 years. Coaching Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday at 5.30 in the morning. And then Sundays, of course, 
you get up at 5 30 in the morning right because your body's like hey this is what we do you get up so you guys are offering zoom workout right with you lisa you're offering couch to 2k training plan and then tell us about this camp that you're going to have in january in january yeah new year's resolution row so january 2nd and we're going to do it later in the day for all the west coasters or later for us so <laughs> eastern standard time we were thinking we'd do it from noon to two and we will have um live coaching where we can actually watch people row and we'll split them up by ability a little bit based on what people want so that we can have all levels um, and then matt and i can split them up into groups we'll give people some live coaching on their form and then we'll do like a short workout after that. So it'll be a relatively short camp. We're thinking maybe an hour and a half to two hours. Great, so who would be a good person that would go to something like that? Like what level would that be appropriate for or good for? I, I think any level. I mean, we can have beginners probably never been on an ERG, probably not, you know, first time. That might take a little more, but, but someone that's been on the ERG, particularly, I, I think, especially rowers, I mean, I think, it's, the way I'm going to coach, at least if they've got some experience, we would do a kind of an experienced, inexperienced group. Um, and that might be a good way to do it. So that you've got this sense of part of what I hope happens is that not only will they get a little better rowing, but they'll get a connection to someone else. Right. Mm -hmm. So if they get to meet, that's one part of the camp experience is you get to meet others uh, so that they can train together. They can, they can do these things. So hopefully that, that will happen as well. And I think that's nice when you get uh, kind of a, an ability level, you find someone that's at your level, it's a lot easier to train with someone that's close to you, right? You can push each other, you can do, do good things for each other. So hopefully yeah. that, that's what will happen through the camp too. Absolutely. Well, that sounds good. I'm looking forward to signing up for it actually. All right. Do yeah. you think it'll be the first kind of fun, the second kind of fun, or the third mm -hmm. kind of fun? I hope it's a little bit of the first kind of fun. <laughs> I'm going to have to find an erg. Yeah. I'll find one. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, well, because it's Zoom, you could go to an ERG somewhere and just prop your laptop up. Yeah, yeah. We do have an indoor training center. I live on Vashon Island, and we have a little tiny club, and we have an indoor training center that I think has a couple of ERGs left in there. Awesome. So I might be able to find one, but I've got lots of teammates I could go ask if I could sit on their back porch. You know. There you go. So I had one, I just had one other question, which um, I'm very curious about, but it's going to like wrap back around to an earlier conversation. So... So Matt, you end up at Humboldt State this season. COVID seems to be shutting everything down. So what the heck did this season end up looking like for you? Well, uh, I just got home. I just got back to Michigan for Thanksgiving and I'm staying here till January because right now everything's on. Well, up to last week was online for a couple of weeks, but we actually got on the water. We had a small group that was that came back to campus because they had some lab classes at Humboldt. Um, and so some of the athletes came back. So we had, there was 10, I think there's 10 or 11 athletes that were on campus training. Uh, and we were able to train about, for the most part, about eight hours a week. So a little bit of erging, little, and it was a little bit of a mixture of erging and rowing that they allowed us to do, depending on, on where the county was as far as COVID rates were. So, um, okay. so we got a little bit in, we got a little bit of team building, but it was very strange, very atypical for what, uh, as a typical fall where you got, you know, the boat house is packed. Um, so that part was different, but the teams did a good job. I think of that. I think it, they did a good job of staying motivated, but I also think it was nice for them because it was at least normal. They had at least a couple hours of their day were like, this is what I usually do. And that's still there. Right. So yeah. I think that was helpful to the team as well. 
I wonder if it felt good too because it was a smaller group, so it was more tight knit. Yeah, I think it was both. I think I think that's true. Uh, though I think there's some excitement when there's a big group. Yeah. You know, there's a certain energy when there's a lot of people at, yeah. that, that you, you have to kind of create when it's a smaller group. Yeah. It's different than taking out, you know, four eights or something. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It'll be interesting to see how this plays out over the next few years where with recruiting and with yeah. just kids experience, because I've seen all the signing uh, announcements you know, yeah. different kids signing on to colleges. And that's probably based on ERP scores, I would imagine, um, and some water time. But every state is so different and every kid is so different. And now they're even talking about not taking the SAT as a score because these kids are not getting educated the way that they need to be. And they can't get to these um, to SAT tests the way they could. So it's going to be really interesting in you know, five years, like who's your senior squad in five years is those are going to be kids who are freshmen next fall in COVID world, you know? So I do wonder, you know. I wonder a lot what everything looks like in five years, because right now we're in the midst of it. And I can already um, look back on March, April, there's like a little chunk of time when we were in quarantine. And I can tell that I've locked that into like a certain memory. Like there's a time when we were really locked in together and there was actually six of us that just hunkered down and that's that feels like a year and then there's like another chunk of time after that up until like school started and that feels like another year and like this year has been so weirdly time has felt so strange that i wonder what will happen to all those feelings and all those memories over time i'm curious all right Let's so we we like to uh we like to wrap up our interviews with uh, rapid fires rapid okay. fire q a's Got it. Ready? Right. Ready? Okay. Uh, port or starboard? Both. Port. Uh, bow seat or stroke seat? Stroke seat. I was always a stroke, but I love bow too. <laughs> bow was always a nice break. <laughs> In fact, they're making all these comments that That's people right. have exactly. here. <laughs> yeah. Uh, salt water or fresh water? I say fresh water. Salt water seems like a pain. It is, although I just started rowing on salt water and it's nice seeing seals and jellyfish yeah. and everything. It's cool wildlife with salt water. A head race or sprint race? Sprint, shorter the better. Yes. Give me a 500, 500 meter, meter dash. Barn burn. <laughs> 60 strokes of all out craziness. Come on. <laughs> okay. Uh, favorite Cox command to give or receive? My favorite that I got one time was like a guest um, coxswain and he on the recovery would say, walk the dog. Yeah. Like we would be, he'd be like, you know, hit it and walk the dog. <laughs> you'd be like, I love that. I love that. Walking the when, dog. I think coach one time and her favorite command, which now became mine was, you know, you'd be spinning a boat and her command was bow to me. <laughs> <laughs> You know. I'm undefeated as a coxswain. I've had two races. I'm 2-0. Oh. One nice. was a head race. I, I raced it. I was a 155-pound coxswain in a head race. That was yeah. something we won. And then one I cox cox I cox coxswains in a coxswain race. <laughs> Say that 20 times. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> that sounds like fun, actually. That was fun. Yeah, that was fun. Okay, last couple of questions. Unisuit or tank and trow? Oh, tank and trow. How are you going to go potty with a unisuit? It's so awkward. Yeah, I've never worn a unisuit. Side note, all-time favorite 
throwing outfit that I don't see anymore that I think we should bring back is the Henley. Yeah, I and think then you should put on the back so that you can really prove how old school you are. You can put Et Vu Prey Parte on the back. Yes. Okay. <laughs> I rode in the Et Vu Prey Parte days. Rachel, I don't know if you've ever rode in those days. They stopped doing it right around in the late 80s there. In the old days, it was Attention. Et Vu Prey Parte. Yes. Yes. And then, yes. And then the transition was Are You Ready, Row? And yes. then everybody kept jumping the starts on those. They changed it, it like, like every Do you go on R? Do you go on U? When do you go? <laughs> and, uh, For a while, then, it was set go, and that was too yeah. fast because people were like, wait, and what? what? Ah! And then they, then they switched to attention. So attention yeah. go has been around for a while. But. That's my license plate is A-T-T-N-R-O-W, attention row. Nice. Okay, last question. Coffee before or after a row? Both. On the way. When you get back. Oh yeah, pump in, pump in the IV, man. I've got coffee before, during, after. <laughs> we are coffee lovers. We're serious yeah. coffee drinkers here. Well, Matt, Lisa, thank you so much for chatting with us today. This was awesome. It was so good to um, hear your stories and learn more about you and your coaching and rowing and rowers dream. And uh, we're looking forward to being in touch with you definitely going forward. Oh yeah. Sounds good. Thank, thank you so you. much for having us. This, this is, is so good. much fun. Yeah. Oh good. Yeah. Bye. Right, we'll talk with you soon, Bye. okay? Okay, Take see care. you later. Bye-bye. Bye. It's time to check it down and finish up this episode like we always do. Each week, listeners share the best rowing-related part of their week. Let's hear from a few folks. Hello, Steady State listeners. Jenny Ellis from Toronto, Ontario, Canada here. I'm a master's rower at the Argonaut Rowing Club in Toronto, Ontario, the best part of my rowing week was opening up a present on Christmas morning and finding a picture of a rowing boat. My husband bought me a used single and it's amazing and I can hardly wait for spring. Hi, my name is Anjali Grant. I'm a master's rower at the Duwamish Rowing Club in Seattle, Washington. The best part of my rowing week was working in the front yard, socially distanced with my teammate. We are each building a skin-on-frame wherry, the roof designed by Dave Gentry, um, and that'll let us start rowing a little early this year. Don't forget, you can add your voice to this segment. Just record your own voice on your phone to share the best part of your rowing week. Send the audio to us at any time at bestpart at steadystatenetwork.com. Hey team, that's it for today. But for show notes, links, extras, bonus content, and to join our Patreon community, visit steadystatenetwork.com. Let it run in two, one, two, let it run.